Welcome to Relaunch, the real estate podcast focused on helping you find your success in real estate. My name is Lauren Cooper. I am an active real estate sales representative just north of Toronto, Canada. The whole purpose of this podcast is to bring you actionable content by interviewing the best of the best in this business, helping to take you from zero to hero in your real estate career. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. That is the Real Estate Launch Podcast. This is take number two because the system blew up and Kathleen was giving us some amazing content. We are welcoming Kathleen Black, of course, to this episode. Uh, We're going to start again. We're going to get into the goods right away. Hello, Kathleen. Hello. All right. So let's do a little recap of what we talked about. I was asking Kathleen, who is a successful coach and has a coaching company, um, what her start was in real estate as a sales professional. So let's go back to those early days. You had started, you mentioned around, what was it, 2007? Yes, finally licensed. And before that, it was focused on um, investment properties. So I hadn't, I didn't get my license. Like we were just purchasing, you know, gutting, making multi-unit and retaining them and kind of doing what you do, moving into one once the unit's done and going to the next one once that uh, building is uh, rented. Um, But eventually we just saw a disconnect. Uh, We had a great realtor, fantastic person, but disconnect with how we were assessing the properties and how we wanted to negotiate. And really just, we found it didn't make sense for me not to have a license. And I really fought it. I didn't really want to get into the real estate industry. I had two young kids. Like we were building based off of sweat equity and we were busy enough, to be honest. I didn't really need a new hurdle at that time. Um, But I did obviously end up to get into real estate, um, get my license and I went shopping and I shopped like I went and sat down with every broker manager who would meet with me, every team that I thought looked like a strong, successful um, team. And um, I was saying it was really interesting that some of the people actually kind of tried to dissuade me from getting into real estate, like whether it was because I had young kids or because they felt my goals were too lofty. And, you know, why would anyone want to sell that many homes, (laughs) which I still look back and laugh. I was like, I don't think they were too uh, dialed into my personality at the time. Like that definitely wasn't going to be the brokerage I went with. Um, But yeah, and a few teams and end of the day, um, for me, what was most important was training, experience, production, the ability to learn as much as I could as quickly as possible. And like lots of people, I thought go into the team for a year, learn as much as you can and get out and build on your own. That was 100% my intention. Um, And come the end of a year, I was super busy. I was already starting to get like repeat and referral. Um, My center, center of influence, sphere of influence was quite strong. And I had no reason to leave. Like the other people got into real estate when I did, most of them were already leaving the business two years in, all of them had left the business. So um, yeah, it was just a night and day um, scenario for me where a team was actually a perfect place um, to launch my business. And these other people you're referring to, were they um, going at it as an individual agent or were they on the team as well? Yeah, they were. And they were individual. And I remember um, even a couple months in them going, oh, you haven't sold a house. You have sold a house yet. I'm like, yeah, I've sold like five houses. <laughs> and they're, they're just, they thought I was kidding. But it was just such a different to go into a high pace, high production environment, you're, that's all you know. Like it sets your expectation of, hey, it's totally normal that within my first six months in the business, I'm gonna sell three houses a month. Like I never really thought anything different. And then it was four houses a month. And then I think the top was like 15 houses in one month, not every month, obviously. <laughs> um, but that was the record, right? So it, yeah, like for it, team allowed um, for me to model what worked and be really careful about not modeling what I didn't want um, for, for my life, right? Everybody has a different style. But yeah, they went individually and it was just night and day experience. 
Okay. Now you were going through some personal challenges during that first year. And yeah. um, thankfully, like you mentioned, you were in a team environment that basically fostered success in numbers. So it seemed normal to, to do the high volume that you were doing. Yeah, I think, you know what, teams, good teams give you an opportunity. Like I'm careful to say I worked really hard. Like it's not as if not everybody who came in the team did the level of business that I did. Not everybody stayed like, you know, it wasn't a fit for everybody. Um, and I, because I was going through, as you said, personal separation, really, I went from not being the income earner to getting my real estate license. And within six months being, okay, you're the only income that's going to cover your whole life and you've got investment properties and a house and two kids and you know it's gotten messy and the other person's checked out which happened so it, it's kind of yeah it was it was make or break but even before that I knew I would be all in like it's just despite myself right like I, all I could see was building the business once I got into it so that first year was was very busy and and a mix um yeah of center of influence of appointments being booked for me of you know uh realtor.ca leads other leads coming in ad call sign call duty duty time from the brokerage i would pick up any extra duty shifts that were available for the team or the brokerage all the time so any working hour i was in the office which you know anybody watching this going and and now coaching the number of agents i have like some of the old school things I don't believe in, but some of them I really do. And showing up and going to work every morning as a realtor, I think is one of the most fundamental when you're building your business for success. Like you just got to show up. So I was there every single day, be, you know, as soon as I dropped the kids off 840 before anyone on the team and I'd be there all day unless I had face to face appointments. So let's dig a little bit deeper into something you had mentioned you were going around doing all these interviews with brokerages and with mm -hmm. teams. Yeah. So there are a lot of agents out there that are considering getting into a team environment or yeah. that are just getting in, just got their license and listening and thinking, how do I get started? How would you suggest people go about choosing the right environment for them, uh, the environment that would then lead them down the path of success? Um, well, I mean, first, I'm always careful to just be disclosed bias. Like I, I have, I've built the, like my last 10 years has been basically an obsession into all things team, right? Everything that works with team, what works, what doesn't, um, how to build them as quick as possible. So to me, what a strong team offers is a no brainer to start your business there. I mean, if you come from another industry where you have, you know, sales marketing background, you're a natural networker, like you're very disciplined, then, hey, you might be unique in that it's a great idea to start on your own for sure. I'm not saying that it's, you know, one size fits all, but where the industry is going and, you know, how we have to wear more hats than ever. It's not less hats. It's more hats like the technology hat alone can be a full time role. And for a lot of teams, it is right like figuring out what to adopt and and the distractions like how do you just figure out what's going to allow you to build your business and phase everything else out so you can be hyper focused on what's going to make you successful because end of the day you don't sell any houses you're not going to stay in this business right so to me um, a strong team is an amazing platform to build your business to leverage your business if you're if you're very entrepreneurial and you understand business, then you probably can see, not understand, appreciate business. You probably can see the leverage aspects and realize like how many years it would take you to build that, let alone train those people, let alone have the systems that actually work behind it, right? 
Um, so yeah, not all teams are created equal. Like I would definitely do interviews. I would ask for uh, guarantees. Um, there's a big problem where teams are offering everything over the moon and then getting you signed on and they're not offering anything once you're on there and the, the people feel stuck and it's giving a lot of teams a bad name, unfortunately. So yeah, I would interview. I'd make sure you have an alignment with your values and, and you know what you want to achieve and if they're okay with that. Like if you want to sell six homes a year, there's a lot of teams who are that you're not going to be the right fit, right? right? So you want to make sure it fits for your life. So if you're getting into it and you want to be fairly high production, what mm -hmm. are the things, what are the signs, what are the questions you should ask a particular team environment, a team situation where sure. um, it would be a better fit than not? Yeah, I would ask them their business model. Like first, is their focus on higher transaction per agent or is it on the mass number of agents that they have? Like the U.S. team trend has been much more towards how many agents can we get, which is a little bit more of a brokerage style model. So we get the question all the time, are teams brokerages? In our definition, no, but there are a lot of teams who do run um, somewhat similar or very similar to a brokerage. So I would be asking, first of all, know yourself, like where a performance environment's not gonna be comfortable. Like they're going to push you. There are things that are not gonna feel natural for you and they're gonna to try to get you up and running the way a top 1% performer would as quick as possible. So are you open to that? Because if you're going into a high performance team, I'd say, well, what is the average number of units per agent? Um, you know, what is your goal for that? What's the minimum production here? What opportunities are given to me? Um, what training am I gonna be provided? And I'd say compensation, really look at it from a business model because if you have a really high compensation split there and i'm talking some of them are really high you want to ask yourself just like a listing what can the team afford to reinvest to support me like how much of a vested interest are they going to have when there's no pot like when the team leader is going to make minimal um, income from these deals and they're still selling 80% of the homes on the team. Like that's the, there, there's a lot that goes into compensation that allows you to understand how much they're going to do to support and invest and how much of a vested interest they have in, in getting your business ramped up because it, it's a huge, um, financial and time commitment for a team to get a new recruit up and running. It really is. So the good teams, they're going to take that seriously. They're going to do lots of interviews. They're going to do personality profiles. They're going to do maybe Colby profiles. They're really going to say, hey, does this person have a great chance of being successful here? Because if they do and they're all in, this might be a win-win, right? If not, like why invest in it? Right, exactly. So you touched on compensation and it's different for every team, but let's talk sure. about extremes. What's the extreme on one end and the other end that you've seen whether it's successful or not, um, in terms of compensation offered for between team and team member. Oh, there's there's everything. Like I've seen it where teams are paying out like 80% splits to the team member, um, which to me just does not make any business sense. Um, that's hey, it, it just anyway the way it plays <laughs> out, it's very difficult. I'm trying to say how to say that softer, but I just can't. So that's okay. I'm not soft either. Just just yeah. speak directly. <laughs> Perfect. I was like, uh. Um, so yeah, that's pretty tricky. And then the other side of it, I mean, it's not uncommon at all that on teams you can have a 25% payout or you can have a flat fee payout. There's some teams in the U.S. that are 25% across the board. It doesn't matter source of business because they've built up such strong hubs that are taking care of such a high percentage of what needs to be done with the transaction, right? So really, like they're 
they're leveraging your license where if they have enough volume, you still can make more money because they're doing so many, so many pieces of the transaction that your face to face time is so much smaller. You're actually making more per hour, but you have to see it. You have to see how it plays out and have enough abundance of opportunities and create them. Right. Yeah. So you really have to judge it, like you said, from from a distance, from that business mindset rather than just the initial, oh, I'm getting this percentage. And what does that actually mean to the team and you in the long run? Well, yeah, like 90% of four houses is pretty different than 25% of 100 houses, right? And and okay, well, how many hours am I likely going to spend per transaction once I'm up and running and I know what I'm doing? I mean, yeah, it's it's just a completely different model. Okay, and you'd mentioned um, try to get some guarantees in writing when you're interviewing for teams. What kind of guarantees would you be looking for? And that would that be amount of leads or or training or what sort of guarantees are we looking at? Well, I think clear expectations, like a strong business is going to want to have as much clarity as possible about, hey, here's what we expect from you and here's what you should expect from us. And most of them, if not all, if they're really strong, they're going to put that in writing. So it's going to be up front and it'll be like a team member agreement. Um, If they're a strong business, they're also going to protect their clients, right, with confidentiality. And no, you can't leave the team and call everyone in our database (laughs) because we just spent 15 years building this database and, you know, that would be cool for our clients clients and it's not fair to us as a business. So they're they're going to have considered and protect themselves, um, which means if you stay there long term, they're also protecting your future investment, right? Like when you work with a team, you're leveraging them, they're leveraging you like you're one entity um, when you're going out into the market, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I know through your coaching and uh, you've mentioned there are different levels of teams, you know, there's yeah. the sort of the very, very beginning would be a single agent with an assistant and then yeah. going from that all the way to the team leader stepping out of the role yeah. of selling and and even mm-hmm. a lot of the main management day to day. Right. Mm-hmm. And having yeah. many sort of like a team within a team situation. Sure. Can you talk about that yeah. a little bit just to give people an overview of kind of the different uh, team structures that are out there? Yeah, there's all sorts of, yeah, I mean, obviously I know ours more intimately, but there, there's so many different structures, but I mean, what I, what I, what I'm passionate about, I'll speak for that because it's easier, but, um, is the idea of leverage for everyone. Like this idea of, Hey, I'm an entrepreneur, so I get to scale, I get to leverage it. It's all about me. That doesn't trickle down well, right? To a team, particularly if you're attracting very entrepreneurial team members, like if you're attracting strong drivers who want to sell on your platform, they want to build and leverage just as much as you do. So essentially, you can look at the team levels and and um, for those watching, like their, their uh, organizational charts that we have to try to give a clear vision into, hey, this is closest to where my team is and this is where I want to go. And we nurture it by saying, here's the systems you're going to need. Here's the likely obstacles you're going to face when you move up that level. Here's where it's going to test your business. And we do all that so you don't quit. So you go, okay, wait, I expected that. Like we're preparing for that in advance so we can get ahead of things as as much as possible. But what I love about them is essentially they're just, they're diagrams of how to leverage and how to scale. That's all they are. And they're not just for the business owner or the team leader. They're for all the sales agents on the team. Like our support side usually have different wants and needs. They they value security more. They value consistency. Um, they don't want to be in that fast pace or they'd sell, right? They're, they're looking for different opportunities, so to speak. But for the sales agents, it's like, hey, how can we make your license worth more and more and more on a, a hourly basis as you evolve within the team? 
team? Like what things can we take off of your plate? What new opportunities can we give you? So we want to compensate up front knowing that as you not necessarily prove yourself, but perform as you hit your goals, as you get better and better at your craft, you're going to be able to do more in less time, first of all. But then as your production raises, we're going to say, hey, what things can we take off your plate? So now you can either spend more time with your family, go on more holidays, have a better quality of life, or you're a strong driver and you want to sell more. Cool. Whatever you want to do with it. Right. And most of them will at least do a mix of some more business and some more um, quality of life, right. at least in my experience. So yeah, it's a pretty empowering model when you understand what's behind it, because it also allows, again, like I think in real estate or in many areas of life, like I always say, it's a massive privilege to have mentors, like to have people who see your potential and they're going, you don't, you don't even see what you're capable of. Like I, you're, you're capable of hitting like the top within our team, within our industry. Like you're capable of being a stronger leader, communicator. You're capable of helping to elevate our industry as a profession just by how you show up right? And how you represent us to have people around us like that. I mean, it's invaluable. You can't just pay people to do that. But when you have a team structure that's based on that, that's based on, hey, we actually make money by making sure we help you be happy, be successful, feel like you're growing, you're offering more value to your clients, you're expanding every year. Like that's a pretty phenomenal thing in an industry that's known to be kind of cutthroat, right? And the strong teams, like they do it because they're around other teams that model each other too. So the model just goes up and up and up, right? Where people, you know, are within a network so they can see each other achieving this and help each other get better. Like, I don't know, I think a strong, um, a strong model, it, it just, it, it doesn't stay just on the team side. Like it just, it expands, right? So there's so many different, like it's like a hub, an ecosystem around you supporting you for the agent, for the team member, for the team leader. Like it, it's, yeah, it's pretty It's cool. a support system. And, and so yeah. I, what I'm hearing is you really want to look for that uh, opportunity and that environment that's going to support you and your growth yeah. through your career, not just one aspect or another, but all encompassing. Yeah. And you know what? Like maybe at some point the team won't want to grow to where you want to go. And I, I'm always really vocal about a lot of really great teams have people leave because they did a great job, not because they did a poor job, because they actually really helped somebody step into their full potential as a leader. And maybe the team is going one direction and that leader wants to go in another. It's not because they they did anything wrong. It's because they're in a growth environment. Right. And that naturally will attract other people who say, hey, I want that opportunity. Like I want to build. I want that support. So it's not like it stands still. So I think there's a big misconception that, oh, my gosh, if a team loses people, you know, the team's not offering enough or it's not good leadership. Hey, sometimes. But I know a lot of really great teams who who supported amazing leaders. Right. Like those people wouldn't have been there without the team at, at, uh, at that phase in their growth. Right. Right, exactly. Okay, so we went off on a, a bit of a team tangent because we know that yeah. you're definitely passionate about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. We were talking about how to choose a team and, and what to look for, so that's great. So you did that, and uh, you were off and running, and in your first year, paint a picture of uh, what your schedule day-to-day -day was sort of like and what your production was like first year in the team. Uh, first year in the team, I believe I sold 45 houses. I'm trying to think. 
yeah, my, anyway, 44, 45, something like that. Um, hours working up until the separation, I was working every day, any appointments I could book, I was working a lot, like evening, um, weekends. It sounds really bad up to the separation. <laughs> I worked every minute, <laughs> Yeah, um, but kind of also true. So it just is what it is. Um, but then after the separation, I would work always during the kids school hours and they had like pre-scale preschool after school, um, care, which was great. So I was really happy about that. And then I would work two evenings a week and one day on the weekend when they would go for a visit with, um, their dad. So that gave me that time. Um, so that's what the half the year looked like. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, after that first year and moving forward, you entered a team environment that was also involved in the coaching side as well. When did that come into play? Yeah, it wasn't involved in the coaching side, actually pretty quickly. Like it started to come into fruition in 2008. And I can't remember, I think the first event um, for the coaching company was 2008. Um, so I attended that and I helped them edit, you know, all the workbooks and things like that. So behind the scenes, like we were already... I was already involved in helping to create and refine some of the the scripts and systems in house. But a, a lot of us were right. Like we were passionate about doing our our best. Um, so yeah, essentially uh, we talked. I'm confused because we started again. But we talked about last time that you know within within about 18 months to two years, I was really burning out. I was really tired. Um, I was starting to question the industry. I was kind of going, I don't know if this is for me. And and it's ironic kind of, but the coaching company had gone to Halifax and I'd started to really search. Like, why am I feeling so empty? Why am I so frustrated? Like I'm making good money. I'm independent. You know, I know I can take care of myself and my children. Like why, what is it? What's missing? Um, and it kept going back to this worthwhile work. And at the time I started to go, okay, like what's happening of why is it feeling like it's uh, such an external system? Like I get another client, I sell the client and it just started to feel like a factory chain mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, and I wrote a presentation, which was called the consultant's approach. So while the coaching company was in Halifax, I presented consultant's approach to the sales team. And then we did our first ever, uh, teams, Canadian team summit was what it was at the prior company. So I ran in plan eight of those before we ever came to this company. But so I presented that presentation consultant's approach. And ironically, it is the foundation to this day for everything we do, all of our systems, our hiring, our recruitment, everything we do to place us as professionals is based on consulting um, versus sales. And that's what kind of tipped me into realizing that it was very important to me to be um, uh, learning, growing, bringing a different type of service to my clientele so that I could really connect with them so that I was actually um, becoming more fulfilled inside myself instead of burning out, needing to go on vacation and looking for these external things that never really last. And that was a, a huge tipping point for me in real estate. And I've supported a lot of people um, who are still in the industry, love it, but they just, the external burnout was just exhausting for them. They couldn't live that way anymore and neither could I. So I relate to that. Um, yeah, so no, there, there was a coaching company, um, that was started. There was three owners, uh, essentially. It, and this it, is in conjunction with selling, right? The, 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 the team was yeah. still in yeah. effect and, and selling a large volume of homes at the same time, correct? Oh yeah. 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 There was two different companies. So there was the sales team and then there was the coaching company. Um, they were separate. So there was three owners with the coaching company. Um, and essentially I, I finally pushed and pushed and pushed and kind of said, Hey, either I get a chance in coaching or I'm going to leave the team anyway. So I kind of forced the hand. 
um, to give me a chance. And it took a bit. It wasn't that easy, but they did. And I got on stage. I was doing scripting. And I mean, I still remember like just going, yeah, like this is what I'm meant to go into. So, you know, essentially my story is like a chain of unfortunate events for some people that led to opportunities for me because the three owners just weren't getting along. The company was in massive financial um trouble, which I didn't know until much later. And the director of coaching was let go, I think like 12 to 18 months from the company just being live. So, you know, like difficult, right? And coaching companies are like restaurants. Like they, they're really hard. The majority (laughs) of them don't survive. Oh yeah. Like you hear people say they coach and it's like, they have one or two clients a week. Like at one point I had 30 clients a week. Like it's, we're, yeah, it's, it's a difficult industry at times, um, to build, but essentially I, yeah, I got the opportunity to become director of coaching, um, right away. Uh, I don't remember if it was 12 months or 18 months of the company being live. And then I was director of operations and then it came down to, okay, are you going to run the coaching company? And I finally asked the magic question. Can I see the books? <laughs> that's, that's where I should have ran, but Um, I didn't, it was, so at that point it was pretty interesting because the company was somewhere, I think around $180,000 in debt. Um, and the other two owners wanted to leave and I don't know what came over me. I always say, I don't know. I was listening to a lot of, uh, think and grow rich every single morning. (laughs) And I just had this realization, like you've already been running this company. The majority of the time it's public. I love the company. I want to put my whole heart and soul into it. I saw its potential. Um, and I said, Hey, cool. Like I'll take this on. I, if I'm 50% owner and I have hundred percent decision-making, so I fully run the company, um, and the partner at the time kind of, you know, warranted to him was a little taken aback, but in the end, that's what happened. So I took it on, took on the liability. So naive, like who does that? Why do you take 50% ownership? Which essentially I took the liability off the other two owners. So they Mm -hmm. left without any responsibility for that. And yeah, we turned the company around, um, took 18 months to kind of step back and deal with, uh, content because that was a problem and retention and, and yeah, and got it to that point and then sold my shares and opened this company. So that's a quick pull's note. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's talk about timeline there just to, to give yeah. people an idea. So throughout that transition into coaching, were yeah. you still selling? When did you sell up to what, what what's, yeah. how did that work? That's a good question. So I took two, uh, two times in my life, I've took two year pinch years. And so that's where I say, okay, for two years, I'm going to do both to get me through a transition. And I did it with this company where two years I put my head down it was just business. That's it. Um, so I'm trying to remember what two years it was now that you're asking me this. So I sold about 60 houses a year and had anywhere from 25 to 30 coaching clients a week. It was crazy. Like I'm not advocating to do it, but it taught me a lot. Um, and my time management got strong again. And I don't know if it was, I'm trying to think if my last platinum award because for us we got awards based on the team amount we get it's not right. based on the gross volume right it's a little bit different so platinum at the time it was remax i think was like 250 to 500 and i can't remember if i got my last platinum in 2011 or 2012 i don't know i don't have the little circles up on the wall <laughs> <laughs> that have the years because we went to uh florida and and did it because the team got a big award that year but it was somewhere in that range so i was selling tw- 2008 2009 2010 2011 i'm pretty sure i was still selling a bit in 2012 and then i kind of went no like I'm, I'm running the coaching company i have a team of coaches i'm 100 committed here um and i just completely other than the odd coi deal stopped Okay. I just moved all my contracts to other team members. Okay. And then from that point in 2012, um, what was the transition from the old uh, company into the new company? When did that, that happen? December 1st, 2015. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. 
that was about three years in? Just over to... three years ago, yeah. Okay. So 2012, you stopped selling and went full into coaching. Well, I was already coaching though for I right. Was you were still coaching along the way. Yeah, right. yeah. But yeah. but in terms of your selling, you stopped selling and yeah. then said, "Forget it. I'm fully committed to coaching at this yeah. point." I'm okay, only. great. And uh, and then you went in and left and and started your own company. Talk about that transition, the decision behind it, and uh, what it's been like. Well, I mean, it was terrifying. Right? <laughs> like I was I was completely terrified. Um, yeah, I had turned around the other company and then the other silent owner wanted to go to a different direction. And to be honest, looking back, I was quite naive, right? To say, hey, I'll, you make a lot more money in sales than coaching. This is just a fact. But coaching to me is very fulfilling. I love what I do. So I purposely took a hit and said, hey, I'll, I'll take this salary hit. I'll turn the company around. Why I thought I could do that, who knows? Um, but I did. So I was like, and once that's done, I want to make like a fair amount of money. So when that happened... Surprise, surprise, the silent owner says, yeah, we want to go in a different direction. I'm going, uh, like, I don't know, you haven't been involved. So we have, we essentially ended up to come to terms where I actually got, I sold my 50% of shares, but half the clients still came with me and I own all the content. Um, so does that company. So we both own the content completely. And then I've come here and now it's three years of content building um, right. since. So it was scary, right? Because at first I didn't really... I didn't really want to leave the other company. I loved it. Like I saw it as like a child. Like I, I just, it was everything. And I'd, I'd made major sacrifices to build there and I really didn't want to go. And it became a little bit, um, what is the word? Uh, at the end, like I, it really challenged me to step up and be a leader and, you know, uh, have a business strategy and make sure I left the other company in a fair way and I could start this company. So it went from being terrified to less than two months in, I was already more than full. I couldn't take any more coaching clients. Um, there was another coach who had one or two clients, but had some knowledge of our system. So I brought him on. I had him full within two months. So four months into the company and we've got myself and somebody else totally and we started recruiting other um, coaches. So it ended up that in the first year of this company, we did, I think the account was like 48% more than the prior company ever did. And the second year, 75% more. So I went from being absolutely terrified and putting my head down and going two years of just business building, like no fun, no nothing. Like evenings, weekends, we were running the business out of my house for a while. So I had like two admin there and myself and meetings. It was in the kids. It was just crazy. Um, but you know what? I, I'm glad I did it. Like people say, why? Like you should, why didn't you have balance or have a life? And I was like, well, I, I really wanted to build something strong and it was worth the two year pinch year to get it off the ground. And then now I've worked my way pretty much out of a job because I only kept a couple I have. It's weird, but I have, I only have, a, I kept a couple coaching clients cause I've coached them for like a decade and I've moved everybody and we're, we're going to triple our coaching team this year. And I don't really coach anymore. Now I speak and I do webinars and I do, you know, talks all the time. And I come podcast on podcast interviews, podcast <laughs> like one a week, but it's weird. It's like, it's a whole new era. Seriously. It's exciting. Yeah. Excellent. Now, let me ask you a question because there are a lot of people out there that are considering coaching and don't really understand yeah. a lot about it. And there's sure. a lot of talk. Um, how do you decide who to bring on as a coach? Do people mm -hmm. approach you? Do you approach them? Give me a little insight as to how that world works. 
Uh, it's a mix. We've had people approach us 100%. Um, once I put out like a post saying on my personal one saying, hey, we're going to do a video if you're interested in coaching. And I just got inundated. I was like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have done it that way. Um, but I didn't expect to, but we ended up to fill another like coach. We only coach a couple or train a couple coaches at once. We have a full onboarding process for that. Um, but what we're noticing is as the company evolves, we're attracting very different people who are interested in coaching. Like people already have coaching, um, they're already coaching with one of the other major coaching companies, or they have experience building a team, building a brokerage. Um, I'm trying to think of all the people, or they've coached with us and built their team with us. And now they really, they're saying, I don't really want to build the team bigger. I want to maintain it, but I want to help other people build teams now. So that's really exciting because that's kind of coming full circle, right? So it's totally a mix. We're going to do another kind of info session um, for people who are interested in coaching. And from there, I have a whole, um, recruitment system and then onboarding training process that we go through um, to become a coach because team's different, right? There's a huge learning curve and there's a lot of content. So was there coaching involved when you joined your team back in the day when you first started or was it more? So let me, let me rephrase that. Was there outside coaching involved or was it more within the team mentorship leadership was there any of that? Um, that team coached with a ton of different companies, but <laughs> like over the years before, right. before I was there, uh, for sure. They coached with all sorts of companies and they found the same thing we find here, that team's different. Like it's very unique. Um, and the ability to have team systems that all plug into one puzzle instead of, okay, you've got a couple pieces here and a couple pieces here, but they don't really integrate. Like that's pretty much unheard of in our industry. Like the, I don't really know of any other platform. And that's why that was our vision to be like, no, we can cover every single aspect of developing a team from like 20 transactions a year to 1500. So when I came on, no, it was more internal, like, okay, learn this little script, learn this. It was very brief um, what we went through with training at that time. But mind you, it was still a lot more than most people go through. Sure. Like, you know, we had training. Yeah. Rather than here's a phone book, get started. <laughs> well, like, yeah, it's massive. Like the when I redid our onboarding that I was still doing training for that team. So I did all of their onboard training. We did a whole new system. And in the first year of that new system, we doubled the number of transactions for a new recruit in a year. And that's where I was like, okay, this is important. Like this works. This is, this is really key because it was a shift from, Hey, learn these words to this is why these words matter. This is why we believe in these words. You know, this is why this is how people are going to feel when they hear this. This is how they're going to engage with you. And the retention of the content, the way it was delivered was just night and day. Like we went to back up, you know, the belief behind it, like the values and the culture instead of just learn this, learn this like a robot, which most people don't love. Right. Right. Well, a lot of people feel, especially with scripting, they feel it's very unnatural. It doesn't match their personality. But like you said, if, if words work, if these things work and everything yeah. is fo everyone's following the same system, then at least yeah. we provide a consistent um, experience for our clients, right? Well, yeah, give your, you know, I always wanted the best chance to be in front of as many people as possible and differentiate myself and then show up as a strong professional. I, I felt very good about that. And I think our scripts are very consultants approach. So they're very conversational. Whereas I understand, Hey, if, if you're really, um, a networker and you work with a coaching company, that's very like, 
aggressive and some people love aggressive scripts. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that might be more aggressive than ours. You might, you might have a bad taste in your mouth about scripting, whereas somebody with a more dominant personality, they might absolutely love that. And, and it fits for them. For us, it's very much consultants approach. That's what we're grounded in. So I believe in it. I feel good about it. Um, and we see the results, but you have to, yeah, you have to get the right fit for you. Okay, so people getting into the industry or people that are stuck at the same level, um, that's really what this podcast is designed to, to help. Yeah. These people, if they're considering coaching, what mm-hmm. is it that they should expect from a coach? That's a great question. Um, this past two years, and we've done a lot of market re- research, and I realized that I don't even think I knew what we were doing properly uh, as a value proposition in coaching. Um, I think it's very different. So some coaching platforms are strictly accountability. Um, I, I would personally expect that minimum you're getting accountability, which is, hey, like, what do we need to accomplish this week? Do we have a plan? You know, did you get it done? And some of them are a sounding board, like just like, hey, this happened. How do I help? That's one style of coaching. Um, others are online coaching programs. Um, for myself, what would I want? I, I would want a strategy. I'd want systems that I could plug in. I'd want a track record um, of how many people have used this and, you know, how it, its effectiveness. I would want a base line. Hey, minimum, like what's your average of all these thousands of people using this system? What's the average conversion here? And I'd want somebody who can actually be like a um, strategist in my business and really help me with that. Um, And that's what helps you to leverage and evolve later on. Even if you just stay on your own as an individual agent, I'd also look for somebody who's a good fit, like with my personality and with my values, Um, somebody who is skilled and trained in personal support and coaching as well as professional because they both play off each other. And if you think you can just plug in the business systems and get to optimal performance, I would say not in a second. Like when I first started, (laughs) it's not. Yeah. When I first started coaching, all I had was the business systems. And I look back now and like, I'm shocked. I always say I'm shocked that I got paid and did the coaching I did because I probably knew a tenth of what we bring to the table now, but you you know what you you don't know what you don't know, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So when somebody is interviewing a coach, because there are several different companies out there, sure. Um, what are the things that they should really be asking? Well, again, like track records important. Um, I think you can go where the club is or you can go where the results are and it's not the same thing. And a results driven coaching company is going to be able to give you metrics. So again, I would ask for a track record. I would ask for results. Um, I would ask for what's included in coaching. Like even we have different coaching options and some include team resources, some don't. Some include a members only vault, some don't. Some are a year long contract, some are month to month. Right. So, you know, ask yourself what's going to be the best for your success. And and are they interviewing you like we do strategy calls with people all like we did a talk this week. We have 30 new strategy calls booked this week. So and they're not a sales pitch. Like, are they asking you where you are, where you want to get go to? What's important to you? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Like, do they really care about where you want to go? It's like it's like when you go to a great listing um, appointment, you're not there to get the listing. You're there to sell the house. There's a difference. Are they trying to sign you up for coaching or are they trying to build your business? Like what's what's their focus there? So that's what I would always look for um, personally, like where. Yeah. What what is their um 
what type of track are they going to put me on and why? What are the reasons for why um, these things are going to create success? Because if you don't have buy-in, you're not going to do what they recommend. You might as well not coach. Like if you're not going to be open to at least try something new and you're not at least thinking I it's worth the investment to try what they're saying, then probably don't coach. Like coachability is a very important thing. Right. There, what's the point in paying all this money and spending this time and not doing anything. It's just, it's yeah. a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> well, yeah, coaching works. Like coaching works hands down. But if you don't work with coaching, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, excellent. So let me ask you a question that I ask all of my guests. Let's pretend that uh, the coaching thing didn't exist for you and you had to go back into real estate sales. And yeah. I transported you into some random city in North America mm -hmm. and yeah. you didn't have much of a sphere. How would you build a business now from day one? What would you do knowing what you know now to build a real estate sales business yeah. in a random town? Um, I think there's two different ways I'd look at it. For me, like, you know what you know, and online lead conversion is just ingrained in me. Um, so the idea of not leveraging that to me would be silly because it, it's predictable. Um, it's scalable. It's something that I know baselines for. So I could very easily know, hey, I'm going to invest in X. And the likelihood is it's going to take me this many months or this many years um, to get the return that I need to have. So I think that would be one. I think knowing what I know now as well, I would certainly work always COI. I mean, that's very important. Even in a new city, like where can you make affiliations? Like even if it's with other service providers, like what other service providers can I give uh, um, reciprocity to, whether that's mortgage lenders or that's home inspectors, like home inspectors, a little bit harder for them to give you business back. Um, but usually mortgage brokers or banks, things like that. And I try to make other um, affiliations in the community that I want to get into and I want to be able to serve. Um, so those would be the ways that I would build business. Like those three tiers would be online lead generation, COI, and then part of COI is affiliations. I'd look to make very, very strong reciprocal affiliations. Um, and I'd make sure that I came with, um, what do you call it? Like I'd, I'd make sure I had extremely strong track record in my presentations because to go into a new area where you're not known, like it has to be a no brainer at the end of the presentation that they hire you. So if I had to have an affiliation with a partnership or a team just to establish myself, I'd certainly consider that even now if I went into an area, there's no way I want to do the parts of the business I don't like. I have no interest <laughs> in that. No interest. I'd have to build a team or be on a team if I was forced to only sell. Um, absolutely. I, I would never do it solo completely. Well, all those uh, hats tend to wear on your neck. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what that's all about. Okay, that's some great insight. Now, if you uh, want to leave us with some parting words of wisdom, maybe some people, like I said, they're just getting in the business or they've been stuck at a level and kind of struggling to, to get off the ground. What might you suggest uh, people check out, do resources, yeah. anything? Yeah, what if you're serious, and I think anyone watching this would be um, serious about building your business, I, always my number one thing is model success. Like what the average agent does compared to what the top 1% agent does is night and day. What the average team does compared to the top 1% team is night and day. Um, you're, you're going to become what you surround yourself with. Like we know this again and again. I always share the 30-year Harvard study that, you know, your, your success, even in business, is going to be equated to who you surround yourself with, your networks. Like we hear it again and again and again so model success get accountability invest in the systems and tools you need to build your business that are already working for top performers like we're really in an era where our industry is going to change for so many reasons and it's not just technology like it, it is the intellectual property and the ability to buy from other people what works 
So there's these hubs, right, of talent and of opportunity. So I would be plugging into those as much as possible and stay away from the water cooler when you're at work, work and plug into networks or masterminds or mentorship, anything you can do to stay connected with the energy mindset and tools of the top people, I think hands down is the most important thing. That's where I'd be investing my resources. Excellent. And how, if people want to get a hold of you, find out more about uh, your coaching and your company, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, our website is www.ittakesa.team. It's funny how it feels long saying that now. Or KathleenSpeaks.com. It's uh, the same thing. Um, we're on all the social media platforms. We love social media. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, and if anybody is is interested in saying, hey, I'd like to take my business to another level. I don't really know how to do it. Again, we do strategy calls all the time. Like you can email admin at KathleenSpeaks.com. And they're not a sales pitch at all. Like be prepared to answer questions about your business and and get a lot of clarity on where you want to go and we'll make recommendations and say hey if you want our help this is where this is what that looks like but this is what we're recommending um, for growth for you so more than happy to connect excellent thanks so much for taking the time to do this kathleen and sharing and uh, you know for doing it uh kind of twice the length of time we normally would because of that <laughs> little glitch in the beginning but it all worked out in the end thank you i appreciate it Lauren. i appreciate the time it's a great show it's a pleasure to be on it thanks a lot take care Take care. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I truly appreciate you for your support and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share this all over social media, and especially share it with a realtor that you know that might be having a difficult time finding their own path to success. I'll see you on the next episode.